March 26, 1997, 39 members of a notorious cult died by suicide, believing they were going to ascend to an extraterrestrial spacecraft, assisted by the Hale-Bopp comet. But first, they would consume a concoction of sedatives, alcohol, and applesauce. The group, dressed all in black, wore Nike decades. And no, this is not the premise of a bad sci-fi film. Even though Men in Black came out the very same year, we are talking about Heaven's Gate. Today, we're going to get into how a cult that was started by a nurse and an aspiring musician built a dedicated following that led to the largest mass suicide on US soil. And welcome to Sinister Societies, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Every week, we're going to cover your favorite cults, faith followers, and secret societies. And look at how they've managed to run in plain sight and infiltrate your everyday life. Today, we're going to tell you about the cult Heaven's Gate, a religious group whose beliefs were based on New Age ideas, Christianity, and science fiction. We'll get right into how co-founders Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles, if you can believe that's her actual name, brainwashed their followers to believe in aliens and the apocalypse. I know it sounds like Scientology, Mm. but it's not quite. Mm -mm. It's like the precursor. (laughs) Yeah, I actually think Heaven's Gate is... um, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but I think it is the most bait of, of all of the cults in all of the years of all time. I think it's the one everyone thinks of, even if they don't know necessarily what it's called. It's hard not to because it really has got it all. It's got quite a lot of like big uh, checks. Yeah, lots of big ticks, lots of uh, cult wind chimes. Mm-hmm, lots of cult wind chimes. I mean, just the names for a start. <laughs> We're very earth-based. Very earth-based, very... Um, Apple white and yeah, nettles. fruit of the soil. Which is interesting for such a sci-fi cult. Yeah, you would think that they would... Usually cult leaders are... Actually, they don't change their names really, do they? Apart from um, because they love themselves so much. I mean, this so is they're true. just like, why would I change it? Why would I? This Apple was... White's a cracking name, exactly. No, I think it, it it is, and I think also just the branding. They all wore Nikes. You know what? Say whatever you want <laughs> about Marshall Apple White, but he knew how to build a brand. Just do it. Anyway, so let's get into Heaven's Gate. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by The Weather Channel. The key to solving any mystery? Smart decisions based on the facts. In the case of the weather's effect on your well-being, turn to The Weather Channel app. It clues you in on how weather shapes your mood, health, and productivity with insights built on reliable forecast data to help you thrive. Because mystery belongs in true crime, not weather. Be a force of nature with The Weather Channel app. So to kick ourselves off, uh, let's get into the founders of Heaven's Gate. 
Marshall Huff Applewhite, his name just gets better and better, and Bonnie Nettles. Is Huff a no, name? it's no, I'm sorry. It's like an exasperated sound. It is. It makes me think of like an exasperated David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Huff. Huff. How are you today? Huff. <laughs> it's like an onomatopoeia for exasperation. For Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Monday Morning Marshall Applewhite was born in 1931 in a place called Spur, Texas, which... Uh, Cowboy. Cowboy. Um, cowboy indeed. It's a very rural town. And today it's got a population of just over a thousand people. So God knows how many people it was back then. Probably about four. Applewhite's father was, surprise, surprise, a Presbyterian minister. And during Marshall's childhood, the family would move around South Texas every few years, setting up new churches at each stop. Red flag. Yeah, they're like the Johnny Appleseed of churches. <laughs> Johnny Applewhite. <laughs> Johnny Applewhite of churches. And again, it's very um, reminiscent of like, uh, for example, Jim Jones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so again, you know, when he's a child, he, I know here it's different because it's uh, Marshall Applewhite's actual dad, but it's like, yeah, just that witnessing of religious conversion, religious sort yeah. of dogma, and then uh, taking that and being like, but I'm going to put a fun, fun little twist on it. Yeah, it's, it's being from a very early age, he's a witness to how to wield power. And his dad's so good at it Mm -hmm. that he does it over and over again. And Applewhite would later weave some of his father's teachings into his own Heaven's Gate philosophy. He'd tell his followers that he was the second coming of Jesus Christ. And uh, Applewhite, in a pretty Mormon-esque twist, said that God was an alien and that the world was coming to an end. Which, fine, if you're going down the cult route, those are some big, big wind chimes for you. Absolutely. Um, I guess, like, if there is a god, then I presume they are an alien. I mean, technically, if we're talking extraterrestrial, then yes, I, do, I suppose it depends how you define alien. Exactly. It also just makes me think of, like, Prometheus. Yes. The film. The, Not yeah. the Greek man who got <laughs> tied to a rock and had his liver clawed out. I don't know. I guess you can just say anything. He's the second coming of Jesus Christ. God is an alien. Why not? Yeah, fine. Why not anything? No problem. And we've seen this again time and time again. Massive cult wind chime, obviously, for end of the world doomsday predictions. Yes, the problem with those is that you do eventually have to follow through with it. This is the thing. They haven't happened. The world hasn't ended, despite many of people claiming that it will. Don't know if you're aware, guys, at home. The world is still very much turning. Uh, Unless we've jinxed it. So who knows? (laughs) But yeah, they they love it. I guess like the reason for the kind of doomsday predictions is because um, you need to create a sense of desperate urgency. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We need some urgency in this room. People don't just join a cult and throw all of their money away um, if they think the world isn't going to end. No. Presumably. So after graduating college in 1952, Applewhite joined a seminary, and it was around this time that he married and eventually had children. But after only a year at the seminary, he decided that he wanted to focus instead on his music career, and he got himself a job as a musical director of a church. And uh, it's a bold move. It's a bold move. I'll give him that. I'm dropping out of seminary. I'm going to go be a musical director in a church. I mean, he won't be the first. And he probably won't be the last. Absolutely not. There's probably 1,700 out there right now. (laughs) And a former colleague at this church told the New York Times that he, quote, talking about Marshall Applewhite, had a beautiful voice and that he was a very personable person and also that he was a strong leader. I mean, 
tick, 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 tickety, tick, tick, for the cult. So in 1954, Marshall Applewhite was drafted into the U.S. Army, where he taught in the Army Signals Corps. He left the military in 1956, so just two years later, and he got his master's in music at the University of Colorado. Despite whatever happens to him, he keeps coming back to the music. Very Charles Manson. Very true. Mm. And I would warrant just as talentless. So after an unsuccessful attempt at finding a career in performing in New York City, Applewhite got a job as a music teacher at the University of Alabama. He was fired, however, for reportedly having sexual relations with a male student. And this was in around 1964. Applewhite and his wife separated soon after. Yeah, I mean, um, marriage is a compromise, but... Maybe that's a tough one. What, sex with an underage student? Yeah, I'm, I think quite a lot of people would draw the line mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Even in the olden days. <laughs> so then, after he was disgraced and divorced, he moved to Houston, Texas, where he got a job as the head of music at the University of St. Thomas. He was fired from this position for reportedly having yet another relationship with a male student. But the university said the firing was for, and this is a quote, health problems uh, of an emotional nature. <laughs> Which is not something you want on your record. No, it's definitely not something anyone, you know, would go out and seek. So what we're seeing right now is that Applewhite likes two things. He kind of likes God, but he loves music and he loves male students. That's three things. That's three. He kind of only loves I mean, God lives through music, so. Yes, this is true. And when Applewhite's dad died in 1971, reportedly he started to get a little bit depressed and he got into debt. Uh, Quite common with serial killers, mass killers, cult leaders. When their dads die, bit of a tailspin. Rodney Alcala, prime example. And according to his sister, Applewhite's sister, he also had a near-death experience which put him in hospital. While there, a nurse on the ward told him that he had a purpose and that God kept him alive. I think she is wandering around to every person's bed who survived, telling them that, just to give him a little, little smile. And a normal person will just be like, well, that's nice. It would probably push me over the edge. I'll be like, fuck it, I'm dying. <laughs> it pushed Applewhite over the edge, as we'll go on to see. Oh, yeah, in a but different in the other kind way. of edge. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you shouldn't say things like that. And that nurse was <gasps> none other, gaspity gasp, Bonnie Nettles. I Sister gasped Bonnie too soon. Nett- you did. <laughs> you really gave it away because I looked down at the script. <laughs> so... Sister Bonnie Nettles uh, would go on to become the co-founder of the religious organization that the pair would run together. So Bonnie Nettles, this nurse who was uh, running around telling people that they were God's chosen one or whatever, was also a Texas local. She was born into a Baptist family in 1927, but apparently she'd moved away from the religion when she'd entered her adult years. She married in 1949, had four children, and like we already know, worked as a nurse. Around 1972, Nettles began to contact the dead by conducting seances. The Baptists wouldn't be particularly chill with that. Oh, really? No. Who um, would be the most chill? The spiritualists. Oh. That's their whole vibe. I see. Lots of seances. So I would warrant that the Baptists probably weren't as spiritual as she was after. I see. I see. So apparently, Bonnie Nettles believed that a 19th century monk called Brother Francis, frequently spoke with her and she took guidance from him. It's always a Francis. Every monk in the history of the universe has been called Francis. (laughs) It's a very monk name, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Francis for Sisi, 
Francis of the other ones. You know, they're all Francis. Nettles Francis. Nettles Francis. <laughs> Francis, um, her interest in this kind of, I'm not going to say mumbo-jumbo, but... You're saying it with your tone. ...was also an astrologer. And it's reported that she studied metaphysical theologies that combined Christian ritual with paganism, science fiction, and millennialism. I didn't know what millennialism was. I had to look it up. In, like, enlighten me. I think, basically, what it is, from what I've understood. It's the idea that before there is the second coming, before there is, like, the apocalypse, there will be a golden age on Earth. The, the like, the time of a thousand saints or something, where it will be, like, okay. really hunky-dory. So it's nothing to do with avocado toast. No, that is what I thought. I thought it was going to be something about... Because my golden age would be filled with nothing but avocado toast. I mean, maybe each person, like the Mormons, will oh, have their, their, own, their own avocado toast. They'll have their own meaning of whatever that means. I don't know. But that's what I gleaned. I might be wrong, um, but hopefully not. <laughs> Coming up we will get into how Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles managed to convince their followers that aliens would be involved in their ascension, and we'll get into some of the cult's odd beliefs. Odd feels light. It's probably uh, more than odd. Aliens are odd enough. We're going to get more. More odds. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. A New York Times profile on Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles described their early friendship as, quote, the relationship was chaste, but their minds were complementary and their passions the same. Like so many through the ages, they wanted to escape mankind's eternal predicament to find a way to get out of life alive. All right, New York Times. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't we all, NYT, um, I think, you know, go on a foraging course or something. Like, I really... It's a bit much. It's quite a lot. Like so many through the ages. What? Who Who allowed this? Who allowed this indeed? I'm starting to have some serious questions about the journalistic integrity of the New York Times. So, with that said, um, I'll probably get a cease and desist any minute. Uh, let's get into the group's beginnings. Soon after meeting, Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles concluded that they were the two witnesses described in the Book of Revelation, uh, which is, of course, in the New Testament, which basically meant that they considered themselves God's prophets with the power to shut the heavens and turn water to blood. Oh. In 1972, they opened a metaphysical bookstore in Houston called the Christian Arts Store. But after a year, they closed it and decided to go on a road trip across America to hold public talks and meet like-minded people. I would assume must have been quite difficult for them because they claimed that they were aliens disguised as human beings. Hmm. 
and they believed that they came from what they dubbed the level above human, something they defined as a physical and literal version of heaven in outer space, also known as Teller, which uh, the smart amongst you will have already figured out stands for, the evolutionary level above human. I know the road trip across America thing, you're going to meet some, some people, some colorful characters along the way. But I think opening with, I'm an alien, and not only that, I'm better than you, you're not going to make that many friends. I mean, I would have thought so. But presumably this is why they had to hit the road. Being in one stationary location and just hoping that thousands and thousands of people who would be, you know, down to hearing about this. Unless you're just camped permanently outside Area 51. Yes. Location, location, location. And if you're not in the right location, then you've got to hit the road. Yeah. Get back on that bus. Exactly. If the mountain won't come to Mohammed. You are cracking out the idioms today. Hey, take them all, take them all. Um, so no, I can see. You've got to hit the road and you've got to find these, uh, these, these believers, you know? So... <laughs> Marshall White and Nettles' goal was to help others, well, this is according to them, was to help others reach a higher level of existence, which they called the next level. <laughs> Whoa! We've got some innovators in the house. We've got some wordsmiths, mm-hmm. some literary geniuses. Yeah, they're just, they're, the thing is, they're like, Heaven's Gate, I'd say, is quite a good name. It's a good name they come up with yeah. later down the line. These are the the precursors. These are the uh, iterations getting there, it seems like. They're, um, they're workshopping. They're workshopping, exactly. And they're also very just like uh, industrious people mm-hmm. because what they don't want to do is just be like, oh, we won't start this thing until everything is perfect. Because that that's the way to kill your business. You just got to get out there. And they're like, fuck it, we'll go with next level and we'll see what happens. Because if they believe next level, they believe anything. Precisely, precisely. So... When they hit the road, they told their followers that they would not achieve this next level in their physical body. And when the time was right, their followers would ascend to their heaven, a.k.a. their next level, aboard a UFO. I mean, how else are you going to get there? Exactly. On a burning chariot like a mug. Exactly. On a stairway. What's the phrase? Stairway to heaven. heaven. (laughs) (laughs) So Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles believed that the human body was a vehicle and to transcend from this earth, people had to separate themselves from their physical body as well as from their needs and desires. Members were originally told that they didn't have to die by suicide to ascend to the next level of life. So that's good. Just want to clear that up, guys. In case anyone's worried when we keep talking about ascending to the next level and leaving your human body behind, we're not saying you have to die by suicide. Uh-huh. Okay. Because I would have assumed that. Yes. I mean, if someone was fervently telling me that, I'd be worried. But as we go on to see, uh, that's a bit of a lie. <laughs> so Wired Magazine described Applewhite and Nettle's beliefs as, quote, an amalgam of Christianity, Gnosticism, Scientology, and millennialism. Millennialism we talked about earlier. It can be called millennialism or it can be called millennialism, as I discovered during my uh, research earlier today. And utter faith in an extraterrestrial presence that was to deliver humanity to a higher plane of existence. So this is all the stuff that they believe in, basically. And just in case anybody doesn't know what Gnosticism means, the Oxford English Dictionary defines Gnosticism as, quote, a movement in the early Christian church which was considered heretical, 
so basically against the principles of the church. And its followers believed that the physical world was evil and wished to live as far as possible in the spiritual world. That's what body nettles is all about. Yes. Gnosticism. You often see in sort of philosophical texts um, the Gnostics being referred to as like mm. the spiritual side of the church. Ah, mm. oh, interesting. In September of 1975, not too long after one of their talks, around 20 of the approximately 150 people in attendance sold their possessions and said goodbye to their loved ones. Ding, ding, ding. That's a wind chime that sounded like a bell, but it's tricking you. That's how they get you. Once they tell you to sell your stuff and leave all the people who can influence you otherwise, you, my friend, are in a cult. Nettles and Applewhite have been preaching about UFOs and how aliens were soon going to make contact with people on Earth. And that was enough for 20 people out of 150. What's the percentage there, uh, maths woman? I mean, it's like one in seven people. Okay. All right. So, you know, it's a significant chunk. Yeah. Not bad. Not, not bad conversion. Not bad conversion at all. Um, they gave up all of their stuff. And renowned broadcaster Walter Cronkite said on CBS News, a score of persons has disappeared. It's a mystery whether they've been taken on a so-called trip to eternity <laughs> or simply been taken. Walter Cronkite, it sounds like you know exactly what happened. Mm. I think you're being dramatic. Yeah, I don't think it's a mystery. Yeah, I think it's the opposite of a mystery. I think yeah. it's, we definitely know exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And what had happened was the people hadn't been taken. They had joined Applewhite and Nettles on their cross-country road trip. During this time, they slept in tents and begged for money on the street. Even Jesus had a job. He was a carpenter. I don't I really never have understood this like radical Christian thing of like not working and earning a living. It's bizarre to me. Well, they're just like, this is all evil, but we need to beg for this money because we also need to buy Nikes. We need to buy lots and lots of Nikes. <laughs> for reasons that will become clear, we need a lot of Nikes. And a lot of applesauce. Applesauce is a weird one because we don't really, we don't have applesauce in this country. No. Uh, I've never seen an apple in my life. Um, <laughs> the only time you'd have applesauce is with a pork chop. Yeah, so you'd get like a little jar of like chunky applesauce. Yeah, but we don't like feed it to babies or stuff. No, I mean, when you go to America, they have like, they'll have like a whole section of an aisle that oh. is just different types of applesauce. They love a condiment, the Americans, don't they? It's weird. And it's like, what, what is everyone using it for? I don't know why you would need a whole aisle. There's a, genuinely, there's like a choice. Here, you just go and buy like, Coleman's or whatever it is choice of applesauce mm, sinister I don't like it I think they also like sometimes I look at like American websites for like dog stuff and it'll be like oh put your dog's pills in applesauce I'm what? like what <laughs> I don't know I don't think dogs are supposed to eat apples are they That's, little seeds have got cyanide in them does applesauce have apple pips in I don't well, know well I don't know because I haven't been to the applesauce aisle recently well when we go to the US eventually okay we'll go look at some applesauce cannot wait. They also put it in like baking recipes sometimes. They'll be like, put in three tablespoons of, or well, they wouldn't say tablespoons, they'll be like, put in half a cup of applesauce. See, yeah, the cup system don't even get me started. <laughs> I know, we don't have time. <laughs> it's also very confusing to me. So the group was heavily influenced by science fiction, especially science fiction imagery. And they took their ideas from places like Star Trek and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And later in the 90s, they were also reportedly fans of the X-Files. Who wasn't? Was Come on. Say. Yeah. What's fuck all else going on in the 90s apart from the X-Files? X-Files and Spice Girls. Files. <laughs> and Spice Girls. That's it. Done. 
Applewhite and Nettles also adopted new names inspired by the sound of music. Now, for God's sake. Will not surprise you to learn that I haven't seen The Sound of Music. I wouldn't waste your time. No. It's very long. Yeah, it seems it. Because I once stayed, I went to Austria um, and I stayed in this hostel where every single night in the lounge they would play The Sound of Music. No. And I refused. Oh my God. But I could fucking hear it. Do you know the reason that everyone forgets they're running from the Nazis at the end? is because everyone fucking falls asleep before that goddamn (laughs) film finishes. (laughs) I also don't, as someone who hasn't seen The Sound of Music, Pray tell, is it a science fiction? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No. So Applewhite becomes Doe, because remember, they're taking these names from the sound of music. And Nettles becomes T. I don't know what that means. Okay, so when you're singing a scale, you're taught Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. Got it. Eight, and uh, there's a whole song in The Sound of Music based on the Do, A, Dear, A, Female, T, etc. So that's what they're using. Excellent. Yep. Right, moving on. (laughs) Again, no points for originality, I'm afraid. No, 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 none. It's about to get worse um, because Applewhite and Nettles also called themselves Bo and Peep. Don't know where that came from. Jesus Christ. Or what's going on with that, but that's that. And sometimes they're shepherds of a flock. Oh my god! Shush. <laughs> and uh, sometimes they kept it just simple, and they were called the two, which I think is the most sinister. The, the two is very sinister. But again, try harder. My God, what else are you doing apart from making stuff up? You've got time to workshop some better slogans. This is the thing. Um, but they do try a little bit harder, I would say, when it comes to the names that they gave their members. <laughs> But also not less confusing. Maybe you can shine some light on this if it's to do with some sort of musical again. Because they gave the members of the group new names. Obviously, classic cult behaviour. But all of the names in this group ended in O-D-Y. So like O-D, right? And all the names had to be six letters. So for example, someone might be called S-W-Y-O-D-Y, which would be pronounced Soy O-D. If this is to do with a musical, it's not one I know. So therefore, because I know all of the musicals, I think it is not. Okay. Well, they apparently said that the O-D-Y, or O-D, identified a, quote, child of the next level. Okay, so that's a thing. Like, once you've got that name, this is how you are now identified as a child of the next level. And when members became adults, and I'm guessing they don't mean literal adults, because I can't assume that loads of these people were under the age of 18 no i think it is quite a christian idea to become an adult within the church so like that's where you get a new name when you're confirmed oh i see so it's like a spiritual adult yes okay so once you've gone through spiritual adolescence and you become an adult the y would be dropped off the end of your name and it would just be pronounced odd but who's got time for semantics certainly not me By the late 70s, the group had several hundred members. They attracted highly educated people, from nurses to mothers to computer programmers, as well as environmentalists and artists. Members of the cult had to give up all ties with their family, Windchime, as well as all of their possessions and their money. They also had to do what was called a body cleanse and give up fast food. They were not allowed to have sex or impure thoughts. How are you policing that? Um, And according to Newsweek magazine, for three months straight, the group only drank a mix of lemonade, cayenne pepper, and maple syrup. Oh my God, they invented the master cleanse. Yeah, yeah. That's what Beyonce did to lose weight for Dreamgirls. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. I looked it up because I, I was sure that it was the mix, the lemonade mix that she had used to lose weight um, for that film. And uh, there's lots of questions. You know, when you Google something and then underneath there's the questions that people have asked. And people are like, can I eat on the master? <laughs> No, babes, you cannot. <laughs> it's like, mm, I'm going to click on it and see. And it was like, mm, no, you can't. You can't drink alcohol and you can't eat solid food for like the first month. Yeah, no, it's it's hardcore shit. Do you know what Beyonce ate? The first thing she ate after she wrapped Dreamgirls? Oh, I don't know. Popeyes. Ah, <laughs> of course. Which, if you would like to um, have a very thorough review of our feelings on fried chicken, uh, you can go and listen to it on Red Handed. Because mm-hmm. we love fried chicken. Well, another we thing, do. another thing that I would say, alongside the applesauce, we just need to have a good long look at when we come to America. Oh yeah, you guys in America, you do fried chicken better. I'll yeah, give you that. Yeah. You do. You can have that one. But no fried chicken for Heaven's Gate, only uh, the Master Cleanse, and they also were not allowed to drink or smoke. Which, if you're doing the Master Cleanse, is a terrible idea anyway. Their days were rigid and they had to abide by very strict rules. Prohibited activities including (laughs) trusting one's own judgment, inappropriate curiosity and any desire for attention, um, uh, presumably unless your name is Marshall Applewhite. And that came from the New York Times. Um, And those rules were because it cleansed their minds, but also it just makes them very malleable. Mm -hmm. Brain master cleanse. Yes. I love that it's like prohibited activity. Number one, trusting one's own judgment. Yeah, shut up, do what I say. Have more <laughs> lemon water. In the early days of the group, they did something called tomb time. During this time, members were not allowed to speak with each other for days. And according to People magazine, tuning forks would be tapped on members' heads in an effort to dispel human thoughts. Yikes. Applewhite and Nettles wanted their group to look androgynous, so they gave everyone a uniform, which included unisex shirts, trousers, and a pixie-like haircut. They were also told to be asexual. There you go, Hannah. Just be asexual, Yeah, just, just change your orientation for me, please. Yes, please. Uh, and so therefore, of course, all sexual contact was off the table, and I'm, I'm guessing there was absolutely no sexual contact whatsoever in this group ran by a man who had uh, embroiled himself in multiple occasions of having sex with male students. Yeah. I'm sure there was none of that. Absolutely none. In 1976, Nettles told the group that they would no longer hold public meetings, and over the next year, hundreds left the group, presumably to go and have wild sex, and that left only a couple of dozen members. At its peak, the group had about 200 members, which is not that many in cult culty times it's reported that the strict rules uh, no sex or drugs was part of the reason for the departures say what you want about Manson at least he let you have sex and do drugs this is the thing people like sex and people like drugs famously famously if you're going to be like you can't have those two things you all bloody love people are probably going to check out mm-hmm. after Bonnie Nettle's death from cancer in 1985 Applewhite began to change his teaching somewhat he now recommended that male members should consider castration. I told you they chopped their balls off. And he said that sex was a powerful drug and that members should go through a withdrawal period to overcome it. Presumably he doesn't mean the withdrawal method. (laughs) 
<laughs> presumably not. Presumably not. And eight members, believe it or not, plus Applewhite, went through with the procedure. Are we talking about the castration? I think we might be talking about the ball chopping offness, yeah. I, that is that in terms of any group like this, but definitely within a cult leader, is shocking. The idea, I, I'm not Usually shocked. cult leaders absolutely love their balls. Exactly. I'm not shocked at all that a cult leader, especially a male cult leader, would demand of the other men within the group to have, to be castrated, but that he would do it to himself. That is wild. Yeah, there's some, there's some real stuff going on there. Also, I would only really also understand it, I think, if the male cult leader was a big old hetero because he wants to get all the other women and have no chance that the other men would do it. But we know that Apple White is definitely into men. Mm. Is this some sort of like internalized homophobia? Homophobia. Maybe, maybe. This is wild in a distressing way. Um, well, hold on to your tinfoil hat because um, here we go. And because Nettle's death contradicted the original teachings, presumably that she wasn't going to die because dying is quite a human thing to do and not very alien at all. And it also contradicted their teaching that you didn't have to die to ascend the next level. So Applewhite had to do a 180. He now told his followers that death was necessary, like when you do chemistry A-level and they're like, psych, we made it up. Everything we told you in GCSE was a lie. Yes, exactly. So death it was now, according to the Heaven's Gate doctrine, it was necessary to move on to the next level. And their souls, not their physical bodies, would evolve into alien beings and the souls would be taken away on the spaceship. So you've got to let go of this physical body stuff, guys. It's much more efficient. I mean, it's easier to argue and uh, less disprovable when someone kicks the bucket. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I guess he's just like, we rode this line for, for long enough, but now I think it's time that we all, we do a U-turn and I think it's time we all just go. There often is a bit of a, a bit of a UE pre-mass suicide. Up next, how Marshall Applewhite brainwashed 38 people into taking their own lives. So now let's get into the details leading up to the biggest mass suicide ever on US soil. After Nettle's death, Applewhite and his group went radio silent for quite a few years. But never fear, they emerged in 1992, hoping to reach more people. Applewhite put a large ad in the USA Today newspaper on May the 27th, 1993, and it read, they really will print anything, UFO cult resurfaces with final offer. Earth's present civilization is about to be recycled. Wow. I mean, it's got your attention. It did. It did. And I'm sure it did then as well, you know, when like... People were reading newspapers, probably mm -hmm. went quite far. Yeah, and it was around this time that Applewhite started to talk about suicide being a potential route to the next level, quite literally the opposite of what he said in the beginning. And by this time, there were less than 50 members in the group. And it's been said that there were followers who would consider suicide. So he does have he does have some people going to bat for him. Not as many as he probably would like, mm. but some. In 1994, 
the group uh, dwindling in numbers they may have been, but they headed back out on the road around the country once again to hold public meetings. They spoke with LA Weekly in 1994 and said that they, quote, hope to be beamed up to space, taking their bodies to the next level. I would quite like to read their press release. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, they do loads of them. Um, because in 1996, according to the Washington Post, Applewhite made a video that he called Planet About to Be Recycled, Your Only Chance to Survive, Leave With Us. Also that year, the group rented a mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, California. I don't know why I said it like that, I feel like I had to. Which they called the Monastery, and also the Craft. Just pick one. The Monastery would have been fine. Yeah. They've ruined it with the Craft. I guess it's like... The problem with this thing is that they have all of the Christian beliefs, the monastery, and then they have all the sci-fi and they're like, the craft. And they're like, I can't pick one. Let's call it both. It's mixed messaging. <laughs> yeah, you've got to pick a brand and stick to it. So at this time, they were making money as, guess what? Web designers. Never trust a web designer. Yeah. I've said it before and I will say it again. That no, if they're, they're boring or they're dangerous, there's no in between. There you go, guys. You heard it here first. So here's another little fun fact about the group. It's considered, quote, the first well-known American cult of the internet era. That is a fun fact, if I do say so myself. (laughs) And they used the internet as a tool for recruitment, and they named their organization now Higher Source, Mm. which is very early internet. Yeah, it's very The Apprentice. Mm. (laughs) Synergy and the higher source. Fights the craft (laughs) in this week's showdown. I don't know why I'm doing that voiceover. That's not how it sounds at all, but it it probably does on The American Apprentice. Yes. So in March 1997, the group posted on its website that the approach of the Hale-Bopp comet was the, quote, marker that they had all been waiting for and that their spacecraft was trailing the comet. That's very handy. I mean, of all of the astrological events in the past few decades, it's a pretty big one. Yeah. And like, they knew about it. They're like, Applewhite's like, this is it. This is our moment. We've got to take it. And it was time for them to leave their bodies and move on up to the next level. The night before they died, they all went out for dinner near their compound and no one had a drink, presumably. They reportedly ordered all the same things. They drank iced tea. They had salad with tomato vinegar dressing and then they had a turkey pot pie and for dessert they had cheesecake with blueberries on top i mean it's not terrible for a final meal not terrible but um not the best no not the best the members left video diaries explaining their reasons for dying and in these videos they said that they must leave their human bodies to be able to get on board the ufo in an hbo documentary about the cult a woman can be heard saying 39 to beam up. And the 39 there, just in case anyone is confused, is in reference to the 39 people who killed themselves. Even though the bodies were all found on March 26, 1997, the members didn't all die at the same time. According to the coroner, they consumed applesauce that was laced with sedatives. They washed this down with alcohol and then put plastic bags over their heads. It's not a great way to go. And it's believed that the suicides took place over the course of three whole days in three separate groups. 
two groups of 15 and one group of nine. And Applewhite, controversially for a cult leader, was the third to last person to die. Usually the cult leaders hang on to the very, very end. I mean, imagine just being those nine people. You've already seen 30 people kill themselves and you're still there. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So when the bodies were found, they were all wearing black clothing and, like we said at the start, Nike decades. And their heads had all also been shaved. They had packed a travel bag each. Oh, God, that is just so, so tragic. And each of them were also carrying exactly $5.75 in cash. Out of interest. Mm. How are their souls going to carry their go bags? I, this is, well, this is the thing. They were like, your souls will evolve into alien beings. That will be able to carry a bag. Presumably. Okay. And you got to have on your, like, comfortable shoes, got to have the $5.75 for, what, like an intergalactic toll? Like A, a I don't ticket, know. maybe? A ticket to get on the Hailbot Comet craft? I don't know. Who knows? Because they're all dead. And also, when the bodies were found, around the mansion, computer screens were found that flashed red alert. I hate it. It's horrendous. So according to reports, the group dressed the same because they believed that it represented unity. And they chose to wear Nike Decades because they supposedly got a good deal on them. Oh my god fucking life. Just go down to Foot Locker and be like, I need 39 Nike decades. I'm sure anyone would give you a deal on that. Yeah. What's the best deal you can do? I'll trade you for some applesauce. <laughs> After the suicide, Applewhite's sister said of her brother, quote, it's not surprising. He has so much charisma. He can convince others of almost anything. And if you want to go and have a look at it, there is still a website for Heaven's Gate. And we think... It's being run by two members of the cult. Presumably not from beyond the grave. These ones uh, survived. And we are looking at an image of this website right now. And the fact that these people called themselves web designers is an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. It's It's quite literally the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, it's definitely been made on um, Microsoft Paint. It's really upsetting. Suri is particularly visually astute, which I am not. Um, I'm the ears of the operation, but it's she looks like she's in severe pain. It, it's very painful. The fonts don't even match for a start. There are six different fonts. Oh my god! I, I on one hate document. It. it looks like it was made by somebody sat in a dark room who was high on drugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it actually, it was made by someone who was totally sober, which is even more inexcusable in my opinion. And someone who claims to be a web designer. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Apparently, though, uh, designers, they may not be, but if you email questions to the email address that's featured on the website, they will reply to you. Um, (laughs) But we have not emailed them yet. So, yeah, that that brings us to the end of the episode on Heaven's Gate, Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. Yes. um, I had a feeling Mm. about the castration things but I didn't know it to be fully true so I don't know if I can say I'm glad I confirmed that today but now we know now we do know what else have we learned today we've learned that when you want to smash Christianity and science fiction together it can lead to some branding issues yes we've seen how a a solid brand can lose its way Mm. when it's um when its motives are too diffuse Mm -hmm. for a good amalgamation of Christianity and sci-fi though you might want to check out Event Horizon. 
<laughs> so Hannah's laughing because Event Horizon is like one of my guilty pleasure films. It's terrible. I know it's terrible. And if you don't know what the premise of it is, Hannah, the first time I ever told her about it, she was like, what is it? And I was like, well, it's about a spaceship that accidentally discovers a portal to hell. So there you go. The inside of the spacecraft in Event Horizon was actually based on the Notre Dame Cathedral. There you go. Like tipped on its side, which is pretty cool. So there you go. Nothing to do with anything. Pretty cool. <laughs> um, I've also learned that if you want cheap Nikes, buy 39. <laughs> Tick. Cool. That's that then, guys. Um, hopefully you've learned a bunch of new things as well. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Sinister Societies on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. You can listen to this and all other episodes of Sinister Societies for free, exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, then be sure to follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you want to hear us talk about other things apart from cults you can find us on our mothership red-handed wherever you find your podcast did you know that in britain the police are not allowed to lie to you uh, and in the states they are and the reason that uh, the british police are not allowed to lie they're not allowed to tell you that someone has already dobbed you in is because of the guildford four and the Maguire seven and we will be covering those very shortly maybe we already have it's coming up it's I'm going to say it. It's my masterpiece. There you go, guys. Um, and we release every single week over on Red Handed. We have covered all the cases you've probably already heard of, from the likes of Chris Watts to some you probably never heard of, like the Singapore ritual child killings carried out by a self-styled holy man named Adrian Lim. So if any of that sounds interesting, check out Red Handed wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, we'll see you next time. Sinister Societies is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Gemma Waters. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. Research by Chelsea Wood. And fact-checking by Cara McAleen. And we're your hosts, Hannah Maguire and Saruti Bala. <laughs>